infinitely better than we can begin to imagine. You are infinitely more powerful than we can begin to imagine. And you're infinitely more giving and generous. And so, Father, we've come tonight here to learn more about you and about your will. The prayer that Jesus taught us to pray was your kingdom come, your will be done. And we come to see your kingdom come in a more tangible way in our lives and for your will to be done in our lives. So tonight as we look into the Word of God that you've given us, we look to see that the Spirit of God would help us to see your will for our lives. We thank you for the Spirit of God because your Word tells us that He's been given to us because He searches the depths of your heart to pull out and to reveal to us the secret things that you have provided for us. And Lord, there are things that that may be secret to us we may not yet understand. We may not see yet see. We may know them intellectually with our mind, but we've not seen them and received them with our heart. And we pray tonight that the Spirit of God will do, and we know He will do, what you have sent Him here to do, which is to take from your heart what you want us to know about you and reveal that into our hearts and our spirits. That's not something I can do. That's not something we can do. That's something the Holy Spirit can do. But we desire it. We ask Him to do that. And we open our minds and we open our hearts to allow Him to do that in our hearts and minds. We allow Him to erase preconceived ideas and traditions because Jesus said it's the traditions of man that make the Word of God of no effect. And the Word of God is not a fully effective in our lives because of traditions and preset ideas that we have in our minds. And we're trusting the Word of God and the anointing of the Spirit of God tonight to break down those strongholds, break them up so that the truth and the, 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 truth and the power of Your Word might penetrate into our hearts and change us forever. And for that we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Open your Bibles with me to Matthew 15. And I shared last time, and we're going to continue on tonight, about healing, and then we're going to pray for the sick. We're going to do, we're going to do tonight what we're hearing. But uh, first I want to just lay a foundation, because this is the second phase of what God had talked to me about. Uh, and we're going to read one of those scriptures. But uh, uh, last fall, as I was doing a, a combined prayer meeting with some other churches, and some of you were there, I had an assignment, a part of that, to pray over. And the scripture that I chose, we're going to read in a minute, but it c- made clear to me that what I've not, we've not been doing, uh, what I've not been doing, is we have not included healing as a major part of the gospel. And that's my responsibility. And did God's dealt with me about that. So uh, when... when uh, uh, when Linda Ford, no, Linda Ford was here uh, a couple of weeks ago, God dealt with me that it's time to start this. It's time to do it. And you don't have to feel it. You do it by faith. And so we're going to do that tonight. But to do that, let's go back and review just a little bit of what we talked about last night. This is a huge subject. Uh, years ago, I spent, I don't know, 12 weeks on, on this subject. Uh, from the point of view of, of healing, what you believe about healing is an insight into what you believe about God. Because healing has to do with God's character and His nature. Because if God, if God doesn't, is holding healing back from us, then He doesn't fully care about us. 
And we, 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 we slough that off. I said, well, God knows more than we do. God's ways are higher than our ways. Yeah, but He tells us what His ways are. He doesn't hide them from us. His Word reveals them. And we don't have time to go through that, but I spent weeks doing that a number of years ago. From healing tells you, if we really believe that God cares about you, and God wants you well, always wants you well, it's not like sometimes God wants to heal you, and other times God does. Then how do you trust somebody if you don't know whether today they want to and tomorrow they may not? want to. Or maybe they want to heal this group over here, but they don't want to heal this group over here. That tells you something about God's character. And only the enemy wants to tell us that God's character cannot be trusted. But if you want to know what God's like, I told you this last time, there are three places to look. One is when God created everything without man getting involved to mess it up. And that's Genesis 1 and 2. There was no sickness in Genesis 1 and 2. The second place is when God comes to the earth and takes on flesh and walks among us, and that's in the Gospels. That's Jesus walking among us for three and a half years. And He never refused anybody that asked for healing. In fact, He healed some people that didn't even even ask Him for it. And so, so... and then the, he says, if you want to know what the Father's like, just look at me. Jesus is God in the flesh. He's, he's God. We can see what God is like by looking at Jesus. And he never refused anybody that came and asked him for healing. That means God never refuses anybody that came and asked him for healing. But there were conditions. He said to a number of them, it's your faith that made you well. It's your faith in who I am that made you well. And so there are conditions, and we have to look at some of those. But what I want to get into now is we want to go back to Matthew 15 and what we saw last week. We saw that in the Old Testament that healing is a basic part of the covenant that God made with His children of Israel. We saw that in Exodus 15, and then again in Exodus 23, and then again in Deuteronomy 15, that God made a covenant with His people, and part of that covenant is God said, I will be, I am your healer, your physician. I will remove sickness from your midst. So healing is not a 20th century idea, or 21st century. Healing is not a modern doctrine. Healing is God's nature and God's character. And I read something in a book earlier this year that just thrilled me because it said when something is part of some, someone's nature it never changes and compassion and love is the essence of who God is and healing is the essence of who God is and since it is part of his nature it cannot change so it didn't expire when the Old Testament ended. It didn't expire when Jesus was raised from the dead and ascended. It didn't expire when the last of the apostles died. It's never expired because God's character has never changed. And Hebrews 13 says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I am the Lord and I change not. If it was His will to heal in the Old Testament, if it was His will to heal through Jesus when He walked on this earth, if it was His will to, will to heal in the book of Acts, which by the way is not finished writing it, then it's His will to heal tonight. His will has not changed. Man has changed His doctrine to match man's experience. So what man has said is, well, I don't see it happening, so I guess it's no longer God's will. That's a subtle way of idolatry. That's saying, I know what God's like by looking at you. 
or looking at me. That's making God in man's image instead of going to God's Word and finding out who God says He is. And then if our experience doesn't match God's Word, the problem's on our experience. It's not changing who God is. And they did that in the Old Testament and people are doing it today by rewriting this book based on their experience. Well, I'm going to really go off on that. Let's see what Jesus says. Matthew 15, 26. We went down through this whole story the last time. And this is the woman who's not a Jew. See, she's a Gentile. And her daughter is demon-possessed, severely demon-possessed. And she comes to Jesus and she pleads with him to heal her daughter. And Jesus just doesn't answer her. And so she comes to the disciples and they come and complain to Jesus. Can we get rid of her? She's, she's interfering with our ministry. And Jesus says to her, basically, I didn't come. He, says, he, he said, uh, it's not good to take the children's bread and to throw it to little dogs. And we looked at Mark's version of this. And it's, what he's saying there is, I did not come to bring this message to the Gentiles. I came to bring it to the Jews, to offer it them first. And so, but what we looked at last time is Jesus is equating healing with children's bread. By the way, he's not calling her a four-legged animal like Molly. Dog in the, in the New Testament really refers to somebody that's outside the covenant of God. So he's calling her a Gentile, which is what she is. And he said, it's not good to take the children's bread and to throw it to little dogs. And we looked at children's bread and what that, what that really means. And I never really thought a part of it until last week. Bread, we went through and traced it. Bread is something that's necessary for life. It's not a donut. It's not, a, you know, it's not ice cream. Those are wonderful. But bread refers to what is absolutely necessary to live. When they put somebody on a restricted diet in prison, I don't know if they still do that or not, the bare essentials to live is bread and water. So bread represents what's necessary for life. And we went through in last week and saw that Jesus said, I am the bread of life. So bread is what is necessary, but it's the children's bread. And we saw last week that it's a parent's responsibility to provide what's necessary for their children to thrive and to prosper. So Jesus is saying healing is something that is God's responsibility to provide for His children. It's God's responsibility as a good parent to provide that for His children. So we're not talking God into doing something He doesn't want to do. We're not talking God to doing into something that He knows, well, I ought to do. God is responsible to heal heal because Jesus said so Jesus said so it's not a doctrine of some church it's not a principle or a, or a, a tradition Jesus said that healing is the children's food it's what a parent ought to provide you ought to get excited about that so let's go over to Acts chapter 4 and let's take it to the next level, which is let's bring it to us. Now in this story in Acts, which is, this is the scripture that, that God spoke to me in that prayer meeting. In this, in, in Acts chapter 4, what's happened is Peter and John have been, uh, Peter and, 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 and John and, Peter's been arrested. Peter and John have been arrested for, for first of all, they, 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 they went to the man who was at the gate beautiful, who never walked, 
and he's begging for alms and Peter says, silver and gold I don't have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus, stand up and walk. And they grabbed him, pulled him up, and he went dancing around the temple and it crazed a, a ruckus because this man had never walked before. Everybody knew him because they passed him every day when they went into the temple. Well, this threatened the authority, so they arrest him. And they don't know what to do with them because they're afraid if they punish them that they can't deny that a miracle is taking place. By the way, that's interesting, isn't it? They can argue with doctrine, but they can't deny that this man that's never walked is now walking. They don't know what to do with that, and it threatens them. It threatens the religious people because it is tangible evidence that Jesus is real. It's tangible evidence that He's real, that He's the one they crucified, He's been raised from the dead, and He's alive today, still working. And they, they don't know what to do with that. So all they know to do is arrest the people they think is responsible. And they tell them, look, you can do anything you want, just don't do anything in His name. I love Peter's answer. He says, whether it's right to do it or not, you decide. We cannot stop saying what we've seen and heard. And that's, see, that's why when, when you know you've been touched by the Holy Spirit, you can't stop witnessing. You don't need a program to get you out there. Peter said, oh, this is another teaching, he said, I, I, I don't care what you're going to do to me, I can't stop declaring what I have seen and what I have heard. And now all they know to do is beat them and they send them back to their church. And their church has been praying. And so they've come back with a report that they have been threatened, not unlike where we are today or may soon be. So they decide to do something that's a radical idea. They get together and pray as a church. Isn't that a radical idea? So this is their prayer. We're starting in verse 23, Acts 4, 23. And being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and the elders said to them. And when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you, this is their prayer. Now listen to their prayer. They have been threatened that if they preach in that name, that they're going to be arrested and beaten. Here's their prayer. And when they heard that, verse 24, they raised their voice to God with one accord. So they were in agreement. Lord, you are God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the mouth of your servant David. So now they're, they're, they're worshiping God. They're honoring who he is. And now they're going to remind God of his word. Who by the mouth of your servant David has said, why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things and the kings of the earth take their, took their stand and the rulers gathered together against the Lord and against His Christ? For truly against your servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate and the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined beforehand. There's a lot in here, but we don't have time to get into it. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant your servants that we might be delivered from this threat and live our lives in peace and never be afraid again. That's not what it says, is it? Look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness we might speak your word. Stay there. So they're not asking for deliverance. That's another whole message. They're not asking to be kept safe and protected they know that they're human. They know that they're being, they're being tempted to be afraid. And they're calling on God to give them boldness so that they can do what God's put them here to do. 
That's encouraging because we think sometimes these saints were never afraid. We think Paul was just never worried. Paul just walked through all that persecution without any difficulty at all. Well, read 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and and some other places where it talks about how he was pressured, how he was discouraged, how he went through these things, but he wasn't defeated. He wasn't... He was bent but didn't collapse. He dealt with all kinds of difficulty. But then at other times he calls upon people to pray for him, to encourage him, and to send people to encourage him. So he needed help. So he called upon God. Their calling become God to give them the boldness. Now look at this. To continue to speak your word. Now stay there. We'd all understand that. This is, you know, we're called to declare God's Word, Christ's Word, in the earth today. So what we think we need to do is to stand behind the pulpit and speak God's Word. Stand on the corner and hand out tracts and speak. And there's nothing wrong with that. We need to do that. But go to the next verse. Look what they pray. We may speak your Word. How? By stretching out your hand to heal. So an integral part of declaring His Word is stretching out His hand to heal. Now notice, not my hand, not your hand, but His hand to heal. And that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Now look what happens. Look at the next verse. And when they prayed, the place where they assembled together was shaken. And they were all filled. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the Word of God with boldness. Who gave them the boldness? The Holy Spirit when they were filled with Him. These were people, men and women, that had already been filled with the Holy Spirit. They had already spoken in tongues, but we leak. (laughs) We leaketh. And we need to be filled again, and again, and again. In Ephesians, in the Greek, it says, be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. But what I want to focus on here is, is they prayed, in verse 29, that with boldness they may speak, His Word by stretching out His hands to heal. So apparently, a central part of the gospel that we are to proclaim is healing. And not just proclaim it, but to minister it. So we saw last week what Jesus did as His part of His preaching. We saw in Matthew 4, and we saw in Matthew 9 that Jesus went about in Matthew 4 in all Galilee and Matthew 9 he went in all the villages preached book proclaiming the gospel the good news of the kingdom and healing every kind of sickness and every kind of disease among the people Jesus linked the kingdom of God with healing the character and nature of God's kingdom because healing is a deliverance from some work of Satan and Jesus came, it says in 1 John, to destroy, I think it's chapter 3, for this purpose was the Son of God manifest that He might destroy the works of the evil one. Well, sickness and disease is a work of Satan. It's not God's work. And it comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. But Jesus said in John 10.10, But I have come that you might have life and life more abundantly. Life being eaten up by cancer is not life 
more abundantly. It may be barely alive, but it's not abundant life. And Jesus came to give us abundant life and to destroy the devil's work, which was to steal, kill, and destroy. And when a 32-year-old mother with three kids dies of cancer, that's stealing, killing, and destroying. That's not God's work. And Jesus came to deliver us from that. But the problem is we've not received it because we've been taught not been taught that that's an integral part of what He came to do. Just as much of the forgiveness of our sins and giving us His righteousness and making us children of God was to deliver us from the works of Satan in this life. And Jesus did that wherever He went. I'm so taken. I've been meditating. I've got to be careful. I'll get distracted here. I better go on. So we saw that when Jesus was doing that, an and it, he, the primary things that Jesus did was to teach and to heal. He spent most of his time teaching and healing. Now we know of 19 specific instances where Jesus healed specific people or named groups of people, but, but these general scriptures talk about how he healed whole multitudes. Matthew 15, he healed a whole multitude. Matthew 14, he healed a whole multitude that came to him because they said, if we can just touch his garments, we'll be made whole. And as many as touched it, the verse, I think it's 24 or 34 says, we're made whole. So let's go to Matthew 10. How does this relate to us here in January 2020? Matthew 10. How does it relate to us here at night? Tonight. Well, we just talked about in Matthew 9.34, He went about in all the cities, villages, preaching the, king, the gospel of the kingdom, healing every sickness and every disease, among every sickness and every disease among the people, every sickness. And, so if you were in that crowd, you got healed. It says, when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion. And then what he does is he calls, he says, we need to call the, pray for the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers. So what does he do? Matthew 10, he calls his twelve together to be laborers. And look at that. And when he called his twelve disciples to them, he gave them power, that word is authority actually, over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sicknesses and all kinds of diseases. So the first thing we see here is this authority can be delegated. It's not just something that's unique to this man Jesus walking on earth and wearing flesh. He can delegate this authority to someone else. And he delegates it to his twelve that he's just called. Now let's drop down to verse 5. And when he called it, because now it names them in between. And when the, the, go back to verse Oh no, that's right. These twelve he sent out and commanded them saying, do not go in the way of the Gentiles. We, just, we saw that why. Don't go into the city of the Samaritans. Verse 6. But rather go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Verse 7. And as you go, preach, saying, here it is again, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. We just saw him say that himself. Now he's telling them to say it. And here's how you show them that God's kingdom is at hand. It's here. You heal the sick, you cleanse the lepers, you raise the dead, you cast out demons. Freely you've received, freely give. Do we have verse 9? 
Now we don't have to go, need to go there. All right. So now we see that Jesus is delegating this to his own disciples. Why? Because he's been moved with compassion when he saw the multitude and he can't get to them all. He's prayed the Lord of the harvest and he starts by sending out these twelve. He commissions them. He gives an assignment that you are to go proclaim that the kingdom of God, heaven is here. And you're to show that what that kingdom is like by healing the sick and going on to the other things that he tells them to do. Now let's go to Luke chapter 10. Well, pastor, that's just the twelve disciples. We know that they're special men and they were specially called. Well, there's another group that followed him around that are also called disciples. Luke chapter 10. And after these things, the Lord appointed seventy others also and sent them two by two before his face into every city where he was about to go. Verse 9. Verse 10 says, Wherever you go, wherever you enter, eat their things. Verse 9 says, And heal the sick there. So now he's delegated this authority to 70 other disciples. He sent them out to proclaim that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he tells them to do, to do this, heal the sick and say to them that the kingdom of God has come near to you. So Jesus, twice in, at least twice in his own preaching, in his delegating to his twelve apostles and now to these seventy disciples, he's told them to go declare that the kingdom of heaven is here. It's at hand, and you are to heal the sick. Raise the dead, cast out demons, pray, and all the rest of the things that they're told to do. Now, how is this possible? Let's go to John chapter 14. I'm glad you asked. I knew that was on the tip of your tongue. Now, these are some of Jesus' last instructions to these twelve, only which eleven it's going to apply to because Judas doesn't make it. John 14, verse 8. So Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it's enough for us. We want to know what the Father's like. And Jesus said to him, Have you been with me so long, Philip, and you've not known me, Philip? Listen, he who has seen me, Jesus, has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Now look at this. Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father's in me? The words that I speak to you, I don't speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me, look at this, does the works. So Jesus didn't do the works by his own authority. It was the Father who dwelt in him who did the works. Verse 11, Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. Or else believe me because of the sake of the works themselves. And the, the works that I've done are evidence that the Father's in me, and that I'm in Him. Now look at this. Alright, that's great. That's Jesus, and that's the Father. We know they have a special relationship, and Jesus, the, fa- the Father's in Jesus, and therefore the Father did the works through Jesus. But look at the next verse. 
Oh, verse 12, yeah. But most assuredly I say, I was reading a book this morning that says that whenever in the Greek, whenever Jesus said most, now, now I won't ask for a show of hands, but how many believe Jesus tells the truth? It's like when people come and say, well, Pastor, uh, to, to tell you the truth, and that makes me wonder, what about all the times you said something to me and you didn't tell me you were telling me the truth? No, we do that to emphasize something. Not because we don't tell the truth the other times. Not because Jesus didn't tell the truth the rest of the time. He's trying to get their attention. Whoa, guys, wake up! What I'm about to tell you, you need to grasp. You need to wake your minds up. And some of you do. Because this is about to astound you what I'm about to say. Because up until now, he's talking about his relationship with the Father. The Father's done the works in me. Oh, that's great. That Jesus and the Father, that's wonderful. We come and we worship Jesus. We worship the Father. Jesus did the miracles. Yeah, we know the Father did the miracles through him. But Jesus said, wake up, guys. I'm about to tell you something that's important that you need to listen to. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, we just saw what they were, the works that I do, shall he, will he do also. That means in the same way. And greater works than these will he do because I go to my Father. There's a lot of speculation I've read about what the greater works are. And my view is until we're doing the works, I'm not going to worry about the greater works and somebody say well the greater works are heal or are saving people that's great but we're not doing the works the works that Jesus did was healing the sick raising the dead casting out demons we just saw the works that he was doing we just saw the works he gave his disciples to do we just saw the works he gave the 70 to do and now because he's leaving them he's preparing it's time you're going to have to do this on your own I'm not going to be here sending you out every time So he's saying, you've seen the Father do the works in me. Now I'm telling you, guys, wake up. Most assuredly, I'm telling you, the work that I've done shall you do also. Then greater works than these will you do because I go to my Father. Verse 13. And whatever you ask in my name that I will do, why? That my Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. He's commissioning them with a responsibility, not just to teach something, but to carry on the ministry that He has been doing in the earth to declare that the kingdom of heaven is here now. And the kingdom of heaven did not ascend with him when he left because he commissioned his disciples to carry out that mission. Go with me to Mark 16. Well, pastor, you know, that was the 12. All right, that's the 70. Now he's still talking to the 12. Let's go to Mark chapter 16. Here he's talking to the 12, but look who he concludes. Verse 14. Later he appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table. He's been crucified and raised from the dead. <laughs> I love this. They've seen him crucified. They've seen him raised from the dead. 
He's now sitting at dinner with them in a resurrected body. And look, he had to rebuke their unbelief. I want you to let that sink in. They walked with him for three and a half years. He told them over and over again what was going to happen. They didn't believe it. And when it happened, they didn't believe it. He's been raised from the dead. They don't believe the reports. And now he's sitting with them. And he rebuked their unbelief and the hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen him after he'd risen. Verse 15. And he said to them, here's the commission again, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Preach means proclaim. Preach doesn't mean stand behind a pulpit. You can proclaim it when you're behind a pulpit, but you can preach at work. You can preach by just your lifestyle. And, and preach the gospel to every creature. Verse 16. And here's the result. And he who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who does not believe will be condemned. Verse 17. And these signs will... So go back to verse 16. He who believes... So they're to preach the gospel and they did that. And we have Matthew's account... We have Mark's account, we have Luke's account, we have John's account. And somewhere along the line, you believed it. And you were baptized. So you've been saved. He who does not believe will be condemned. So now he's talking to those of us who believed through what they proclaimed. So he's talking to us now. Verse 17. These signs shall follow the apostles... In my, oh no, it doesn't say that, does it? These signs will follow those who believe. That's us. In my name, stretching out His hand to heal. We don't heal, just as Jesus didn't heal. It was the Father in Him that did the works. We're not going to look at the Scripture, but Jesus said, it's to your advantage that I go, because when I go, I'm going to ask the Father, and He's going to send the Holy Spirit. Listen carefully. Most assuredly, I say unto you, He has been with you, Jesus said, because He was in Him. And now He's going to be in you, the one that's been in me, the presence of the Father that's been in me, that's done the works, is now going to be that same Spirit, that same presence of the Father by which these things were done is now going to be in you. You go therefore and do the works that I did. See, Jesus did not do those works as the second person of the Son of God with all His power because then we would worship Him and honor Him, put Him in stained glass windows. and Oh, it was wonderful what Jesus did 2,000 years ago, but that age has passed. We're just poor, helpless little beings who can't do anything. No, we're the body of Christ <laughs> filled with the same Spirit that He was filled with. The advantage we have is He could only be in one place at one time. We can be all over the world because the body of Christ is now multiplied. But the same Spirit that is in Him is in you, is in me to do the same works. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. Keep going. They will take up serpents. Don't try that out. 
If they drink any deadly thing, I've done that, it will be no means. And they will, they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. The only qualification to lay hands on the sick is that you are a believer in Christ. That's it. You don't have to be an apostle, you don't have to be a prophet, you don't have to be a pastor, you don't have to be a connect group leader, you don't have to be an elder, you have to be a member of the body, member of his body. They prayed that he would stretch out his hand. Well, Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father, so where is his hand on the earth today? It's connected to your shoulder. It's in your hand. You are the body of Christ. And so we have this image that we're to come to church and the pastor is going to lay hands on you and the pastor has some special anointing and there are some men and women of God that God has specially anointed because God has a number of ways to heal but to this date He's not given me a special anointing to do that. I'm just a believer just like you are. I got to do it by faith just like you do it by faith. Praise the Lord. So let's go back to Acts chapter 4 and verse 29. They prayed that they would have boldness under the pressure, that they would have boldness. With all boldness, they may speak your word, verse 30, by stretching out your hand to heal. God wants to demonstrate tonight that verse. God wants to demonstrate that tonight, that verse. You are his body on the earth. I am his body on the earth. We are his hands, his feet, and his voice. As Jesus, as the Father was in Jesus doing the works, Jesus has commissioned us to go forth through the same Spirit, the same presence of God in us to do the same works. So in a moment, we're going to ask for those that need healing in their body to stand up in just a moment. But I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. I'm not going to lay hands on you. I'm going to have you lay hands on someone else. I want you to see that God wants to use you tonight. Because it's easy to have faith that the pastors, because we think the pastor's a pastor, he's got a special anointing, he's got something special. I don't. And it's not me that heals anyway. It's not you that heals. It's Jesus is the healer. That... He may stretch out His hand and heal. That He may stretch out His hand and heal. I can have confidence that Jesus can heal you. I have no confidence that I can heal you. But I can have confidence that Jesus healed you. And the reason we don't have confidence is we're looking at ourselves. We know ourselves. We know how nasty we were today. I wasn't nasty today, but we, I'm just using that as an example. We know what we're like. We know have days when we're weak. We know we have days when we doubt. Well, you may be sitting there right now doubting, well, how could God use me? All you have to do is be available. Step out in faith. Jesus said, if you lay hands on the sick, they will recover. Jesus said that. He has to back it up. You don't have to back it up. You don't have to make it happen. You just do your part and He has to do His part. Well, what if it doesn't work? That's on Him. That's not on you. It's on you if you don't lay your hands on the sick. It's on Him if you lay your hands on the sick and they don't recover. So take that pressure off of yourself. So what we're going to do right now, if you need healing in your body, stand. 
Now, if I said I was going to lay hands on you, maybe everybody stand. <laughs> All right, I'm going to ask, make sure everybody wants, wants to stand standing. I'm going to ask the rest of you to find somebody that's standing right now, and you're going to pray for them. I'm going to start you. Don't let anybody go that doesn't have hands laid on them. See, it'd be easy, now listen, it'd be easy if I had them line up here the way we traditionally do this, and I went down and laid hands on them. Well, the pastor's laying hands on them. But you're no different than I am. I can't heal anybody. You can't heal him. It's Jesus that we're calling upon to back up His Word tonight. So I'm going to begin to pray, and then I'm going to release you to pray, and we're going to do that for just a few minutes, and then we're going to come back together. Father, we're coming to you tonight on the basis of your word. We're taking you at your word. You said if a believer, when we have a room full of believers tonight, if they lay hands on the sick, Jesus said they will recover. Jesus said that the same works that he did will we do also because the Father is living in us through the Holy Spirit. We have the same Spirit in us that raised Christ Jesus from the dead. We have the same Spirit in us that Jesus had and by which Jesus raised the dead, by which Jesus laid hands on the sick, by which Jesus called Lazarus out of the tomb, by which Jesus spoke to a withered hand and it grew out by which Jesus spoke to blind eyes and they opened Jesus spoke to deaf ears and they opened Jesus spoke to, to withered limbs and they straightened out Jesus spoke to the blind and they saw Jesus spoke and the storm stopped Jesus spoke and things happened and that same spirit is living in us tonight and everyone tonight that's laying hands on them so Father by faith in what Jesus said we lay hands on our brothers and our sisters and in the name of Jesus we command whatever that sickness is to go. We command whatever that cancer has to die and dry up. We curse that foul spirit in the name of Jesus. Whatever it is from the top of their heads to the tip of their toes. Now just begin to pray over them. Just begin to pray in the spirit. Pray over them in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Jesus, you said, whatever we ask you in your name, that you would do it. And we're praying tonight that you would stretch out your hands, that you would proclaim your word with boldness by stretching out your hand to heal these people, these brothers and sisters that you love and you care about tonight. In the name of Jesus. 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 In the name, in the name, in the name, in the name, in the name. We lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. We lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. We lay hands on the sick. We've done our part and they shall recover. Now Jesus, you have to do your part. You have to do your part. You have to do your part. In the name, in the name, in the name. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Satan, you're a liar. You're a liar. You're a liar. You're telling some people it's not going to work. You're a liar. You told, you said in the garden that, not, that God lied. And you're trying to tell us tonight that God lied. And God cannot lie. You're the liar. There's no truth in you. You're not capable of telling the truth. You're the father of lies. And so we will not listen to you in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. 
In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name. In the name. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name. In the name. In the name. Signs and wonders. 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 By your spirit. By your spirit. By your spirit. Signs and wonders. Signs. 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 Signs and wonders. By your spirit. By your precious Holy Spirit. By your precious Holy Spirit. Not by power, not by might, but by your Spirit, says the Lord. Shall this mountain be removed? 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 In the name of Jesus. 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 In the name. In the name. In the name. In the name. In the name of Jesus. In the name. In the name. The name that's above every name. The name that's above cancer. The name that's above tumors. The name that's above viruses. The name that's above inflammations. The name of, it's above sickness and disease of any form. The name that's above any deformity. The name that's above deafness. The name that's above blindness. The name that's above ringing in the ears. The name that's above joints that need to be healed. The name that's above arthritis. The name that's above heart disease. The name that's above every name that can be named. The name of Jesus is above that name. The name of Jesus is greater than in that name. That whatever has a name must bow its name to the name of Jesus. For He is Lord over every kind of sickness. Lord over every kind of disease. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is here. Healing is here. Healing is here. Healing is here. Healing is now. It's mine. It's mine. It's mine. It's mine. I take it by faith. 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 It's mine. It's mine in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name. In the name. In the name. Now let's begin to thank God. Begin to lift your hands and thank God for it. Begin to lift your hands and thank God for it. Begin to lift your hands and thank God. We thank you, Father, because your word is the truth. We thank you, Father, because your word is the truth. We thank you, Father, because your word is the truth. We thank you, Father. 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 We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus. 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 You may take your seats. Now, can anyone that was standing for healing tell a difference? Don. Can we have a microphone?